Day one of NHL training camp line combinations. That's that's what we're talking about today. Why wouldn't you? It is that time of year again. Everybody loves overanalyzing, over-examining things that will almost certainly be changed by the end of the week. Uh, uh, it is Matt Robinson with you here in the TCA studio. This is a quick one today. Just had a couple of thoughts that have sort of been percolating for a while. And what we saw today at uh, Maple Leafs training camp uh, opening, media day, whatever you want to call it, everybody comes out and faces the media and and says really nothing of any consequence, um, and then we all come and react to it, and, and here I am falling right into the trap. But there was a couple of things that Sheldon Keefe said at his media availability that sort of touched off a couple of the things that have been circling around in my head that I've sort of alluded to on the pod here over the last couple of weeks, but never really dug too deep into, and had a little time here this afternoon, so I thought, why not? Let's let's do that right now, right? Let's Let's get into it. Because it is the middle of September and the Leafs haven't been on the ice yet, we should probably analyze the Leafs. Uh, (laughs) Hockey fandom is a strange place and uh, I'm not shying away from it at this point. Make sure you're following along on uh, on social media at Talk and Audio. I hope you'll subscribe to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. I also, I should mention one more time, and some of you, you already know what this is. You know what you're about to hear. You know the music's coming. Yeah! It is Oktoberfest time, Saturday, September 23rd, over at the Nita Beer Company. Tons of information, and you can get your tickets at nitabeer.com, N-I-T-A beer.com. And uh, check this out, because it looks like it's going to be a pretty good time. With your ticket, you get a couple of beers. You can also upgrade your ticket. You get a couple of larger beers um, and a stein to take home with you. There's food, right? You get the schnitzel. You get the sausage, all of it going on. And there's games, right? There's going to be traditional music, but you get a stein hold contest. I, I don't know if I'd be any good at that. I sort of have a tendency once I'm holding my beer to just want to drink my beer, not not see how long I can hold it. Uh, and a keg toss, as Bunda said when he was on here earlier in the week. He has he's tossed a couple kegs before. He's never been marked on it. It's never been a contest. But uh, that's all going down this weekend over at the Need a Beer Company. We'll make sure the links and uh, all the information that you need are in our show notes at tallcanaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. But you can just head to needabeer.com, N-I-T-A beer.com to get your tickets, get some info, and uh, and check this out because it looks like, uh, looks like it's going to be a, a hell of a party that our buddy Andy over at the Needabeer Company is throwing. Uh, one of the things that always happens on day one of training camp, right, the media day, they all come out and they all get asked about all sorts of things, and no one really has anything to say yet. And especially among this Leafs group, there's some... There's some guys who who don't get too revved up, right? Don't have a whole lot to say, and maybe chief amongst them, maybe the captain of the group, if you will, uh, John Tavares, who came out and honestly, maybe less than I've ever seen before in my life, didn't answer a single question. Um, and you know, even simple stuff. What what did you focus on on the ice this summer to improve on? And he just kind of went on this weird little tirade about. Even tirade is overstating it. He just sort of droned on about. You know, the things that I'm already good at, Keith said I should make sure I stay good at. So I worked at the things I'm good at. Like, could you tell us one of them? And like, that sounds sarcastic or snarky, like he might not be good at things. He clearly is. Point of game again last season, right? And, uh, you know, I, I would have thought he'd have spent some time continuing to work on his skating, which is going to be an issue here as he goes forward. I, I don't know. Maybe it was things as simple as, you know, stick work in front of the net and get, trying to make sure he's going to get you know, that power play production to a point where it's been historically over his career. Just just nothing, though. Like, gave everybody nothing. 
And the whole time you're waiting for that one question that we all knew was coming, these Leafs guys were going to be asked about the Mike Babcock situation, right? He was here. This was the last place he coached. He left and no one liked him in that locker room anymore. Fans had sort of had enough of him as of game seven in 2019. Um, you know, you remember the, the, the minutes were down for Matthews and up for Marlowe and, and strange things like that going on. The fans were done. And uh, it sounds like Dubis was probably done with Babcock. Like he was probably ready to get rid of him. And it sort of sounds like he was sort of told, you're not yet, right? You're, you're not firing that guy yet. We're paying him a lot of money. There's a lot of term left. And we get to, I guess it was November of the next season. So we're only a matter of weeks in. And they're like, yeah, okay, now it's time. Like shit can that guy. <laughs> it's going terribly. The players aren't playing for him. And at that point, if you recall, like Babcock is openly undermining um, Kyle Dubas, right? He's healthy scratching Jason Spezza on on the home opener and and things like that. Guys that 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 Dubas has gone out to get, Mike Babcock isn't willing to use. And so, you know, he's sort of rubbing his GM's nose in it a little bit, which was it was just never going to work anyway. So Babcock leaves. It's after that that we start to hear about the Marner stuff with the, the list of the hardest workers and the not hardest workers and all this shit that we've talked about to death on here before. And over the time that Babcock is gone, more things start to come to light. I don't remember exactly when we heard about the Johan Franzen stuff. I don't remember. Uh, everybody saw pretty clearly the uh, Mike Medano stuff when it went down, uh, healthy scratching him at 1,499 career games, not, not allowing him to get to 1,500. All of that stuff starts to come out, and, and Babcock sort of is is off out of, the, out, of the, out of the spotlight. Occasionally, someone does him a favor and brings him back to give the, the rehabilitation interview, and he goes to Columbus, and he starts acting like a fucking weirdo again. And before they even get to day one of their training camp, Babcock is, is resigning, and, you know, it's, it's a mutual thing. They're parting ways, however they're painting that. But in that process, as we're finding out about the pictures, right, that he's getting guys to show their phones and, and, you know, these pictures and everything, it comes out that this is a thing he's done before in Toronto and in Detroit. And so you sort of go, all right, well, you can expect that that's going to be asked about. And then just in a general sense that all these guys had played for him and, and Babcock was one of the things apparently that had attracted John Tavares to Toronto. I don't know if that remained the case after, after JT got here. But without having, without having ever experienced it, maybe thought this is going to work. You know, we just didn't know about Babcock quite the same way we do now. So sure enough, it is John Tavares who's first to be asked about the Mike Babcock situation on the microphone. And he's given nothing. And this was always going to be the thing. I, I don't, I, I guess I don't really blame the reporters for asking. Because if they didn't, we'd all be shitting all over them for not doing their job and asking uh, this. But they say, you know, Tavares was asked. You know, what do you make of what's gone on in Columbus with Mike Babcock and everything? And he just kind of goes, yeah, you know, we're just sort of focused on us. And that was exactly the answer you were always going to get. And so it's so frustrating to watch this, right? Like, why ask the question? Because you know this guy isn't going to answer it. But if he doesn't ask the question, you're sort of going to shit all over him too. So I, it's it just stunk. But all of the interviews, I, I say this to just outline that basically no one said anything even moderately interesting as far as the players go this morning. But we did, a little later in the morning, get Brad Treliving on the microphone and then Sheldon Keefe on the microphone. And I want to skip what Brad Treliving said because, again, he didn't say a whole lot. It was when we got to Sheldon Keefe that he dropped 
it, it would be too strong to call it a bombshell, but it was probably the most noteworthy thing that we heard all day, and that is that William Nylander is going to get some looks at center here throughout training camp. And if that at first makes you cringe a little bit, I think that's a fair reaction. Uh, we have only seen Nylander play center a little bit here and there throughout his time as a Leaf, and rarely has it gone very well. Now, he was drafted as a center. Keefe worked with him uh, on the Marlies as a center. But ever since then, he's mostly been a winger. Now, the time you are probably most familiar with and that most people's heads go to when we did see him play center was in the godforsaken bubble against Columbus when this team could not score to save their lives. Like, they were just getting shut down by Columbus. Uh, certainly, the job that Columbus did and uh, the system that John Tortorella put in against them, you deserve some credit there, like the, a tip of the cap to Columbus for getting that done. But this was that high-powered Leaf offense that should have been able to score some goals against Eunice Corpusalo and Elvis Merzlikens. Like, this Columbus team is not that good. At least wasn't at the time, certainly isn't now. Uh, I'm not even sure if they have a coach right now. Of course they do, it's Pascal Vincent. But uh, look, in that series, we get to game five, right? Life and death, you're trying to, to, to get through this. And they had just barely stayed alive in game four. And remember, this, this is only a best of five series, right? So game five is your game seven. In game four, they're down three nothing late. And they come all the way back to tie it up late and stay alive. And in game five, Sheldon Keefe decides, look, we still can't score. I'm going to... The, I can, I'll never forget the, the media starting to call it this. It made me cringe so hard. Uh, they were calling it the super line. It was Matthews with Marner and Tavares. You're like, yeah, those are your, probably your three best players. Is it that uncommon that an NHL team uses their three best players on the same line? I, I, I don't have a problem with teams that do it like Toronto where you try and spread it out a little bit more and create some depth down your lineup. But lots of teams just run. Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, they're three best players and they run together and they friggin' dominate. And yeah, sometimes you split it up and then you put it back together. I don't know why... Matthews, Tavares, Marner is the super line. Anyway, that's just something that's stuck in my craw here for a little while. And that leaves Willie to play center on the second line with Hyman and Brown, maybe. I don't even remember uh, at this point <laughs> who was left. to. It wasn't a good look anyway. And I, I, I have some sympathy for Willie at that point. And frankly, for everybody. This is one of those things we've talked about when I've I've sort of critiqued Sheldon Keefe. It seems like he panics. And when I say panic, I'm not sure that he's like terrified or anything, but he suddenly in these crazy moments where you need some, some calm and some stability, he throws everything in the blender. Like this is the moment. No, 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 nothing's working. We'll just try this. And I, this didn't work. Certainly they lost. I believe they got shut out in that game again in game five, but it, it, it's sort of example one of Sheldon Keefe just sort of like the moment getting kind of big for him and him just deciding, I'm going to try this thing that we haven't tried all year. Matthews, Marner, and Tavares had not played together on a line all season long. Uh, they had, of course, played some power play together. So they this was completely new to them. Willie hadn't played center all season long, so it was completely new to him, and it did not go very well. And 
there you go. The Leafs are out. Summer bubble didn't uh, didn't go out so well for the Leafs. But we've seen Willie there at other times. And, you know, he's not particularly strong on the face-off. He's not someone who really comes back deep in his own end, you know, on the defensive side of the puck. I happen to think he's better defensively than most people do. He's got a really good stick in terms of takeaways and things like that. But it's hard to know how he's going to handle this. You know, as a winger, he's not expected to be back down low, right? You're sort of covering the points. So with some repetitions, will he get better at center? Maybe. Uh, it might work. But this stands to the way your your puzzle pieces are going to shake loose here. And I'll get to that in just a second. Because I said that when we had Angela Thompson on the podcast the other day. I don't know how this puzzle is going to fit together for the Leafs in terms of their lines. And so I sort of thought when they said Willie's going to play some center, my immediate reaction was, okay, so Tavares is going to move to the wing and that's how they're sort of going to make up for maybe his diminishing foot speed a little bit. But you're like, that line's probably going to be a disaster defensively. Um, It turns out that isn't what they're doing. Someone asked a follow-up question, and they've clarified that they will start with all three of these guys in the middle, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander. And I'm not sure if I like that any better. I don't mind it in the preseason to take a look. I'm not convinced it's going to work. In fact, I kind of think it won't. The one thing I do like is that it pushes David Camp down to fourth-line center because I, I, I just don't think they're very good when he's their third-line center. Because you're trying to find some scoring, right? Like you're trying to create some scoring depth on this team that's been an issue for a while now. And he doesn't score. I like the things he does. You can bury that guy in his own end. Uh, he can take defensive zone face-offs. He can kill penalties. You can match him up against other teams' top lines and you're pretty comfortable with that. But he's not going to score. And so that's a little rough on your third line. So now he's down to fourth line which has its own issues. And like I said, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but I think he's better at 4C. I'm just not sure that Matthews, Tavares, and Willie is going to be strong enough defensively. Like Matthews is always going to be very good, but now you have two lines centered by guys who might be kind of questionable defensively. I, I'm not sure. I like that. And you really haven't solved the John Tavares problem, right? Like, At some point, they probably have to move him to the wing. And so I wasn't going to be very happy with Willie in the middle with Tavares on his wing. But I'm not really any happier with Nylander at at line three and and Tavares still in the middle at line two. And now what kind of questionable wingers are you going to give him? Like they've been hesitant to move Marner off of Matthew's line. I think they should, but they're not obviously ready to do that. Matthew Nyes is a rookie. How responsible is he going to be? Max Domi's game has never been reliable defensively. I'm not sure that's something you're really counting on to help out Tavares. Yarncroak, I guess, you know, he's okay in his own end. You could do that. I, Nick Robertson, they're trying to create room for. Is that a guy that you're ready to trust defensively? Like th- I just, and, and this is, this is where we start to get into some issues in terms of how you put this team together. And it all circles around Ryan Reeves because he's limiting the utility, it's a fun word, that you can create with your lines. So in theory, as I said, David Kampf, you would love it if David Kampf was your shutdown center. Whether that's at line three or four, you can call it whatever you want, it doesn't matter. Put him with maybe a yarn croak, and I don't know who else you throw on that wing, that you feel pretty comfortable with defensively. 
And you start that line all the time in their own zone. You match them up against uh, Stutzla or who, you know, the Marchand line, you know, this division is, is starting to Tage Thompson, you know, have some monsters in it. So you put David Kampf in his own end or matched up against those guys and you're pretty comfortable with it, but not with Ryan Reeves on his wing. Ryan Reeves can't defend worth a shit. He also can't score worth a shit, which is a problem. He has one job. It's to punch people in the face and apparently be loud in the dressing room. You gave a guy who's 37 years old, three years at over a million dollars to come and be loud in the dressing room. Why not just invite him over to hang out? Why'd you have to sign him to play? So that doesn't work. So what do you do? Do you put somebody else there? Pontus Holmberg on the fourth line with, I don't know, Nick Robertson and, and, and Ryan Reeves and, and just see what happens. And now David Camp is on your third line and you don't really want him there either. You want to get some offense out of that, right? That might be a spot where you have Matthew Nyes on the wing with them or Max Domi on the wing with them. And those guys aren't going to score with David Camp as their setup guy. So that doesn't really work either. And your fourth line, like your third line has now turned into that defensive line with David Camp and your fourth line doesn't really do anything. So you still don't get any extra scoring depth outside of that top six because, again, Ryan Reeves stops that line from having any sort of ability to dominate offensively. So it does sort of seem like I'm dumping on one guy, and I kind of am, but you can see that sort of no matter what you do around him, it doesn't fit. It's not an offensive fourth line that you just sort of protect and put out nine, 10 minutes a night, only on offensive zone face-offs. That's not a Ryan Reeves thing that's going to work. And you can't trust it in your own zone, so that doesn't work either. So I don't know what this guy is bringing you, and I know you, I know they're not going to healthy scratch him. You don't bring a guy in, commit to three years, say that this is part of our new identity, and then healthy scratch him all year. I do think we will get there. I don't know how soon, but they're not going to start the year by healthy scratching this guy. So you already sort of run out of options in your bottom six, and now it's it's just pieces. It's just guys. Now, some of this changes a little bit with Willie, I guess, going to play some center. But you don't really want Willie taking defensive zone face-offs. I don't even know who's going to be on his wing. You don't really want Tavares taking defensive zone face-offs because he's no longer all that good in his own end. And you don't really want Austin Matthews taking defensive zone face-offs, although he will, and he's going to have to, but you would rather be giving him lots of offensive starts, right? You want him and Marner to create the way they're supposed to create. And you don't really want David Camp and Brian Reeves, you know, if, if that's who's on his wing, you don't really want them in the defensive zone. So it just limits what you can do with these lines. Historically, Sheldon Keefe likes his lines to have roles, right? We've sort of seen that over the year. The Matthews line is a scoring line that you sometimes will start in its own end because you can trust him there too. Tavares is going to get almost all of his starts in the offensive zone. Camp is going to get almost all of his starts in the defensive zone. And now you're you're just not really able to do that this time. It, it just, the pieces... You have some interesting pieces and some pretty good pieces. I just don't see how they fit together. And that's a problem. So I was caught off guard a little bit. I was surprised when they said they were going to put Willie in the middle. I don't hate it. I don't think I love it. But perhaps if you give him some preseason games here, you give him some practices here, instead of just throwing him into this situation out of nowhere because somebody's injured or because you're loading up a line, you know, maybe he he regains some comfort 
And you can still slide them up into the top six when you need to. Uh, but, you know, this gets really interesting. And, and, and I don't, like I said, maybe it's worth a look. But I don't think they end up sticking with it long term. I don't even, like, so what, it, I guess it goes Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner. Matthew Nyes, Tavares, and God, I, I don't know, Yarncroak. So now you've got Nylander with Max Domi and uh, Sam Lafferty. And then David Camp with Nick Robertson and, and Ryan Reeves. It's a little funky to me. I think there's a chance that a lineup like that with Willie up the middle gives you three lines that could all score. You could put up a lot of goals. But I think you're going to be fishing the puck out of your own net an awful lot too. <laughs> Because there's not a lot of defensive help on any of those uh, other lines. It gets kind of thin. Domi doesn't really defend all that well. Bertuti doesn't really defend all that well. I don't know what you can expect out of Matthew Nyes in his first full season. They're just in a weird spot. And it won't shock me at all if on night one, they've decided this isn't the right look. Willie's back in the top six with either Matthews or Tavares. David Camp is at your third line center. And yeah, you got Pontus Holmberg or Dylan Gambrell or something at, at fourth line center. And maybe that's good enough to get you through the regular season. Maybe you can go find another center like you did with Ryan O'Reilly at the deadline. Uh, find a way to make it fit. Try to bring somebody in for the stretch and for the playoffs. Maybe that works. But this caught my attention. And, uh, and because it's fun, on day one of training camp to start talking about line combinations... Uh, that's what we decided. They haven't even hit the ice yet. This comes from a press conference. We haven't even seen them on the ice. That happens on Thursday morning uh, for the Leafs anyway. And for most teams, I think, get up and running here in the next day or two. And, uh, and we'll see what's in store for everybody. But yeah, this was noteworthy. Uh, part of it being because Willie is also not under contract past the end of this year. So, um, you know, how much of a mood is he in to be trying new shit and dicking around and perhaps having his numbers impacted by playing out of position. I've already seen that sort of that, that conspiracy theory floated on Twitter that they're doing this so that it will hurt his numbers and they can get him for cheaper. That ship has sailed. That's not what this is. It might do that, but Willie already knows he has in his back pocket. No, if you play me with the right people in the right position, I'm a 40 goal, 80 point guy. You're not getting me for any cheaper than that. In fact, if you play me at center, and it turns out I can do it, the price is going up, not down. I'm now a 40-goal, 80-point center. So there's risk on both sides. That's not what this is. Sheldon Keefe thinks this might work. This has nothing to do with the contract. I'm not sure I agree with Sheldon Keefe, but we'll get a chance to take a look at it on Thursday. So uh, stick around later this week. When Bunda was in here, we created a little bit of extra audio talking about some fights. We'll drop that for you. There's always other people kicking around too. We'll see if we can rope someone else into uh, to coming on the podcast. So there may be more stuff yet to come this week. And uh, I did confirm with Dan Schulman uh, earlier today that he will be on the show. Uh, well, he's going to talk to me next Wednesday morning. We'll decide then whether to drop it right away on, in, uh, on Wednesday afternoon or whether to wait and drop it in that usual Thursday morning slot. We'll kind of see how it goes and what else is happening that week. But Dan Schulman locked in, confirmed next week that's coming. So... Hope you've enjoyed this. Just a little hockey talk. It's kind of silly to do this early, but uh, had a little time, had the itch, and I had had this idea of 
the fact that these pieces don't really seem to fit for the Leafs up front. Uh, kicking around in my head and hadn't really had the time to sort of fully flush it out here on the show yet. So. I, I'm not sure they fit any better on defense either, but that's for a different day, right? We'll, uh, we'll see how this all shakes loose. We'll get out of here. Thank you all for listening to this exercise in vanity as, uh, as hockey season starts back up. I appreciate you checking out the show. My name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.